Welcome, welcome to the Pixels and Perspectives podcast. I'm your host Dan and let's just get right into it. The biggest news this week is IGN putting out this little list. Joel from The Last of Us versus Leon S. Kennedy from Resident Evil. Now, why is this even a question? Of course, Mr. Leon S. Kennedy would wipe the goddamn floor with Joel Miller from The Last of Us and it wouldn't even be particularly close. Who in their right mind would pick Joel in this scenario? Because, number one, have you ever seen Joel suplex a clicker? No, he hasn't. So, yeah, just on that fact alone, Leon would absolutely wipe the floor with Joel. Like, I know it's a little bit of fun and all that, but if you look at the sort of monsters that Leon Kennedy has actually faced in the Resident Evil franchise, compared to Joel Miller, who fought a bunch of, like, little fungus zombies and maybe a big bloater at one point, but Jesus Christ, come on now, come on now. Of course Leon's going to win this fight. Joel is old, for one. He can't even dodge, as proved by the Last of Us Part 1 remake and the upcoming Last of Us Part 2 roguelike mode. It's just been shown off in this trailer that um, Joel's a playable character and one of his abilities is being like a heavy bruiser type character, but it states in the trailer that he also can't dodge. So (laughs) yeah, he's old, he's slow. Leon would absolutely just murk this guy. So IGN, what are you playing at? Why is this even an article? Of course, of course Leon would win. (laughs) But moving on anyway, um, the Prince of Persia demo has just dropped and I played it a little bit before I started recording this just to give my thoughts on it because this is one of the few games that's actually coming out this year and I believe it's coming out pretty soon to be honest. And overall, I'm positive. There's a few nitpicks I'm probably going to get into here, but some of the things I liked are, number one, the art style is just absolutely beautiful. The graphics combined with this sort of, I'm not going to say cartoon-esque art style, obviously it's a 2.5D platformer. So you've got like the the 3D elements, but on the, the 2D background, and it's very, very like nice to look at. And I think this was like very contentious in the Prince of Persia 2008 remake that they made. They made the the art style all like Borderlands-y and cartoony in a sense. And this new one kind of treads a little bit on that line. It's not completely realistic when you look at the the art style of the characters, but it it definitely doesn't go as far as making them like cel-shaded and stuff like that. But yeah, looks visually, this game's stunning. I think that's one of the biggest like pros of having these 2.5D side-scrolling games is that art style always prevails because the gameplay is usually very similar from game to game and the the art style is what like sets that particular game apart from the rest of the the 2.5D side-scrolling games because there's a lot of them out there. But yeah, this one visually looks stunning. And the one thing it does really, 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 really well, which I was super, super happy about, the platforming, it just feels so, so satisfying to just go from a wall jump to an air dash onto a spinny thing and then jumping off and just combining all of your like traversal options feels great. And this is one thing that a Prince of Persia game needs to nail because you got your jumping, your wall running and all that good stuff. And yeah, this one feels really, really fluid and 
it's like satisfying to play and I think this is what stops these games from getting like repetitive and boring having these sections there was one in the demo you basically go down and there's like a bunch of spikes in different places so you've got spikes on the wall that activate when you jump on them so you've got to like jump on a wall then jump to the other wall it's kind of like a, a wall hang jumpy style thing I don't know but when you jump on one section of the wall you've got to be quick because the spikes will come out and obviously hurt you so in this sequence You've got to jump on the wall, jump on the next wall, avoiding these spikes, and then there'll be like an air dash sequence, which you have to jump over a platform that also has spikes on, and then you'll be sliding down a wall. But if you slide too fast, or if you drop like straight on, there's a a pit of spikes below you, and there's like different spikes on the walls as well. So you've got to like use this precision style. I'd liken it to Celeste a little bit. It's very like platformer. You have to be very precise with your movements and with how good the movement feels in this game, it's just really satisfying to do that and to get through it without dying. And I think that's the game's biggest strength, to be honest. And again, tying in with the visuals, like you've got these special moves and like execution style things when you're in combat. I think if you hit an enemy when their health is so low, you automatically do this execution. I might be wrong on that, but anyway, the camera zooms in and you you get this animation and it just looks spectacular. And then you've also got these special moves where if you press LT and like X or Y, then your character will do this like big whirlwind type thing, loads of blue lights and just annihilate the enemy. And it's really, really fun to do. I think these features are on like a time frame as well. So they regenerate over time. And it's just adding like an extra little bit of layer on top of the the combat. Now, I want to talk about the combat a little bit because I wasn't huge on it. It feels a little bit repetitive in terms of like sword play. Now, I know the there's a lot of different types of enemies in the demo, which I think was good. Like having an enemy variety to make it so where it doesn't feel stale is like definitely needed in a game like this. And they, they nailed that aspect of it. But the actual combat itself, it's... Obviously, I'm very early on in the game. It's it's the first level. like So maybe as you progress, you get more combos and different weapons and things like that, which would like freshen the, the, the gameplay up a little bit. But as of right now, all the animations are very similar with the swords. I know you do get an amulet, which gives you an extra hit at the end of a combo if you time your X button press right. But in terms of like sword play and things like that, it's, it's crunchy, but it's... I don't know, something about it was a little bit repetitive to me and that's not really a good sign when I've only played like half an hour to 45 minutes. I was getting a little bit bored of the the samey combat that was like in there. I know you can use your bow and arrow and you, I, I believe they're called shakrams, I think. If you hold the Y button down, you chuck something at the enemy. I, I might be buttering that, but it is what it is. But yeah, I think the combat as of right now, in the early stages, hopefully I'm proven wrong in the actual game, but yeah, it feels a little bit samey and it's a tad worrying. And again, sticking on the combat, I spent about 10 minutes at the start of the game when you first like encounter the enemies, just trying to figure out the like the parry system because you can, if you press RT, you'll dodge, well, you slide, and then you can, you can also parry. And what I noticed was that if you parry at the wrong time, you kind of get locked into the animation in a way, so you can't, like, spam the button to do a parry, like, to parry over and over again. And that's good, because it means you can't abuse the parry system. But if you accidentally tap the button while you're in combat, you get locked into this animation for a couple of frames, and then you've got to get hit. And you, you do take a lot of damage. I was playing on the third 
difficulty that may have been on me maybe i should have put it on the the second difficulty but you do take a lot of damage early on in the game and you can upgrade your health bars with the amulets you can upgrade the amount of health potions you can carry but obviously that'll all come as you play the game more and progress like further down the line but yeah i couldn't really figure out the parry that well because you're fighting different types of enemies the the choreograph their attacks but differently so i don't know if that'll just come with playing more maybe i need to just get good <laughs> as they say but yeah the something about the parry just feels off to me like i don't know if anyone else has played the game has experienced that sort of thing uh if you have let us know because i'd love to hear other people's opinions on this but yeah the, the combat is leaves a little bit to be desired with the like lack of variety in animations and the parry feeling a little bit weird but i think the traversal of the game makes up for that and it's really fun to play like it's really really fun to play but i do i do actually have one more nitpick with this game and it's the fact that the sprint button you have to press RT, but when you press RT, you slide. So you've got to like you've got to hold RT to sprint, but to get into the sprinting animation, you have to slide first. And I, I, there was a point where I had to sprint to clear a jump, and I was a little bit too close to the edge. And when I pressed RT, obviously my character slid. He slid straight off the edge in <laughs> into the abyss below. And I just think. Sure, I could have stood a little bit further back, but could we not put the the sprint button on a different button so this sort of thing doesn't happen? Again, maybe this is a me issue. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if I'm going to pay full price for this one on launch because I've spent a lot of money on other things this month, which I will get into. But yeah, it's overall, I'm positive on it and... Maybe it's one I catch on sale because I do want to play through it. Like like I said, I want to play more side-scrolling games. And this one's definitely promising. It has potential to be amazing. So we'll see. If I do end up picking it up, I will be sure to update you on this very podcast. Now, um, the actual big news this week, if you <laughs> discount the Leon versus Joel thing, there's been a lot of talk about the Xbox and Microsoft going completely multi-platform. Now, there's been a lot of outrage from the fanboys, like with this rumor that's doing the rounds and personally my opinion on this it's it's like it, it, it would be good if microsoft remain in the space because they're pretty much the only ones keeping sony in check in a way because we've all seen what sony does when they, they run away with it they get too arrogant you have another ps3 fiasco and i think sony as a company is very anti-consumer a lot of things that they do just doesn't sit right with me and i think in a way microsoft kind of puts a little bit of a ceiling on that um, so if they were to completely come out of the exclusive space, that would give Sony free reign to just do whatever the hell they want because they dominate that space anyway. But like having that little bit of competition obviously encourages them not to be as anti-consumer as they possibly could be. But as for Microsoft going multi-platform, like I'm all for it. I hate exclusives. Like I understand why exclusives exist because they're system sellers. But personally... I think if you want to play a game, you should be able to play it on any console that you own. Because again, people have their preferences of controller, their preferences of achievements over trophies. Some people like to play on the go with the Switch. And I think having the option to broaden your gaming library and consolidating it all on one machine, if you have one main machine, like if you don't own all the other consoles, I think it's it's a great idea. And them acquiring Activision Blizzard, 
it would mean that games like Call of Duty, like Crash Bandicoot and other things can remain open platform for forever because I know this deals with Call of Duty where it has to be on PlayStation until like 10 years time or something like that but you never know you never know they could be scummy and they could pull like what they did with Starfield and just lock it to the Microsoft ecosystem where if you don't have a PC you don't have an Xbox you can't play Starfield and I think it very much like emphasizes what Microsoft are trying to do which is pushing their subscription service as far and as wide as they possibly can because you can play on PC now, you can play on TVs, you can play on the cloud. And eventually having Game Pass on, say, like a Nintendo Switch, I think would be incredible. And it's a great move for Microsoft because then it it does open their library up to a wider audience, which would mean more players, which results in more money made for Microsoft, which then translates into better games, hopefully. So I'm all for this and I think like the fanboy mentality needs to just die because it would be great to have Sony exclusives on Microsoft. I don't think that would ever happen. But yeah, having it the other way around, maybe it would encourage Sony to open up some of their platform sellers to other platforms because you've got like the PC stuff now. You can play God of War, Spider-Man on PC. So the next step would be just porting it over to Xbox. The thing is these games like God of War 2018, they're old news at this point. So the they would only benefit from it like sony would only benefit from putting god of war on the xbox ecosystem because you'll have a lot of gamers who only have an xbox who don't have a pc and haven't had the chance to play god of war or horizon or whatever it may be and that if they were to sell these games again at full price people would buy them from a business perspective it seems like it's a no-brainer to put these older exclusives onto their rivals platform because it would make them money like it just would and I'm sure Microsoft would pay Sony for the licenses and to, to have them. Like, let's be honest, they paid $70 billion for Activision Blizzard. Can you imagine what they'd pay to get the rights to God of War and to, to like host that on their console? I think it could be really good for the industry, but also, again, it could be bad because Sony are the big giants in the game. And again, they could take the piss even more. Like if you give them an inch, they'll probably take a mile. But we'll see how it plays out. I know some games are rumoured to be coming to Switch. We talked about that last week, me and Mr. James Douse. Um, You've got like Sea of Thieves potentially coming to Switch. And I guess this is like a stepping stone for the next era of Microsoft potentially going third party. And like I said, I'm I'm all for it. But again, speaking of Microsoft, they announced that there's going to be a developer direct on the 18th of January. Now, in the picture that they showed, I think they had um, Hellblade 2, they had Avowed, and the big one, Indiana Jones, which I believe the title was leaked. I don't know how true this is, but the title that I read was Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. Now, as far as the title goes, I think it's a little bit boring. But again, it could be fake. We don't know at this point. Now, I'm looking forward to seeing the gameplay of this one. I believe they said they were going to show off like 20 minutes of gameplay, which is incredible. It's like, yes, just show us this, this game that's been in development for so, so long. We're finally going to be able to like see what they've been cooking up here. And there's a lot of questions on my mind. Is it going to be first person? Is it going to be third person? Is it going to be more puzzle based or is it are you gonna like have to do combat and things like that I, i'm very curious to see what they've got to show us and i'm cautiously optimistic i think this is one of the big exclusives that xbox have and they're gonna need to like knock it out of the park with this one because after redfall i know it was arcane but it's it's all under bethesda i believe so Hopefully Microsoft have actually stepped in and overseen the quality control aspect of this game. 
because, again, with their whole hands-off approach, we've had a lot of games that have kind of fell under the expectations. And I'm hoping that Indiana Jones isn't one of these. Surely Disney also have this like bar of quality that needs to be hit. But then again, you had like Jedi Survivor with EA and all the bugs that that had. So maybe Disney's a little bit more hands-off in the games department than we would like. But yeah, Indiana Jones is getting a game and... I wonder if Harrison Ford's going to voice the character, if it's going to be old indie, if it's going to be young indie, whereabouts in the timeline it's going to take place. There's a lot of questions that need answered and I'm here for it all. Like, I can't wait for this developer direct. Even seeing more avowed gameplay, I think would be awesome because the trailer we got was good, but it didn't really show a lot in terms of continuous one-take gameplay footage. So it's going to be nice to see how that game actually plays. Is it going to be as jokey and cartoony and just like, the strange vibe that the trailer showed off compared to the initial launch trailer is yet to be seen. But yeah, fingers crossed for Avowed because I'm looking forward to that one. I think Avowed's going to definitely come out this year. I'm not so sure about Indiana Jones. It would be nice if it was like Avowed's coming out maybe midpoint this year and then Indiana Jones towards the end of the year because it's things to look forward to. Obviously, they're going to be on Game Pass Day 1, which is also a plus because we love it when games come to Game Pass Day 1, and that's one of the greatest things about the service. It's one thing that Microsoft does right, and yeah, I want to discuss the whole Game Pass model in more depth at some point in the future, which I probably will do, maybe with a guest who feels the same or different. I don't know, we can have a discussion. We'll see. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked again. This is what happens in the pod. This is how I do it. So yeah, they're going to show Hellblade 2 as well, which is another one that looks visually incredible and hopefully can build on the foundations of the first game and make it this God of War style competitor, I think, because the first game is very similar in a sense to God of War. It's very cinematic. The The combat is similar. Well, I thought it was anyway. But yeah, hopefully this game is going to be the next big visual like spectacle showcase because all the stuff that they showed with the facial animations and things like that, it looks incredible. So yeah, looking forward to seeing more of this one. And I wonder if there's going to be any more like surprise drops at the developer direct. Now, I believe last year they revealed Hi-Fi Rush, like they just dropped that and the, the last developer direct that they had. So fingers crossed we get another reveal like that. Maybe we could get updates on other things. I don't know. I'm definitely going to do an episode covering the developer direct. That'll be next week. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to have a guest on at this point, but I might ask Ads if he wants to come on, actually, just so we can have a little bit of back and forth on that one. But alas, um, moving on, we also this week got the Suicide Squad impressions. And funnily enough, the embargo from the closed alpha also lifted. Now, this was in response to a lot of the press for the game was negative. And people were basically begging Warner Bros. Games to lift the the closed alpha embargo because they had more positive things to say about the game because they had spent more time with it. Now, the big one was that IGN, this is the second time I've mentioned IGN actually, didn't like this game. The thing is, IGN give a lot of like mediocre games good reviews. So if IGN doesn't even like it, it's not looking good, is it? Of course, it's it's all the same things that we've we've already heard. The gameplay is repetitive. It's just shooting these glowing weak spots on enemies. I've heard that the the story and the cutscenes are very good, like they're they're very well played out. But it's the gameplay that essentially lets the game down. And come on, and that's the thing: the story can only carry you so far because at the end of the day, gameplay is king. And 
they apparently haven't got that right. And I've heard mixed things about how the individual characters play as well. Like some people are saying you can't necessarily tell the difference between playing as Deadshot or playing as Harley. Obviously, you have your different traversal methods, but when it comes down to the like nitty gritty of it, the characters are all like very similar which again lends to that sense of boredom and repetitiveness, which isn't great in these live service games, I tell you that much. But then other people are saying, oh, well, you you can change up your play style by playing as King Shark as opposed to Captain Boomerang and things like that. There's a lot of conflicting reports right now. And yeah, I just can't see this game lasting. It's going to have its fans as these types of games do. Like look at Avengers. There's some people who defend that game like to this day, like will put their life on the line defending Avengers even though it's an absolute garbage game with garbage practices that shouldn't be replicated in 2024 yet here we are Suicide Squad's coming out next month oh and actually I was talking to Ads the other day like he's a huge huge DC fanboy and he was very like adamant on buying this game and I was just like don't do it please don't do it if you buy this game at full price you're going to be encouraging these developers that this is the right thing to do and I just hope people vote with their wallets on this one and this game will be £20 in a year's time, maybe even less, because I can't see it doing very well, but that is yet to be seen. And I think this one is going to be like one of those ones where you just watch the cutscenes on YouTube. A cutscene compilation is going to be two, three hours long. Hopefully you get to see all the good story stuff if the story is actually good and the rumours are not to be believed, because... <laughs> But yeah, it's definitely not one that I'm going to be picking up anytime soon because it just, ah, it's not my cup of tea. I want to move on to the um, Game Pass and the PlayStation Plus releases this month as well because Resident Evil 2 has finally come to Game Pass. And funnily enough, it also went to PlayStation Plus, which I thought was hilarious because you've got the, the whole competitors just both releasing the same game in the same month. Like Capcom, get that bag, get that money. But also you suck because of the whole DRM thing that's happening right now. Yeah, I'm going to talk about this Capcom thing first and we'll get back to the, the Game Pass stuff. So this week it came out that Capcom have essentially added this DRM feature to all previous titles, which has affected not only performance, but the, the usage of mods in these games. And that is just a giant, giant slap in the face to the community. Like after all the good faith that Capcom has acquired over the years with the the remakes of Resident Evil with Street Fighter, they turn around and do something like this. It's baffling. Like I get it. You don't want people like pirating the games and things like that. And maybe there are some weird like nude mods that should not exist but if somebody wants to play as Leon in nothing but skin tight tighty whiteies then why not let them what what's the harm what harm are they doing as long as it's not weird and like offensive in any way I don't see what the big issue is and this is going to be a massive thing for the Resident Evil 4 community the the speedrunning community and the challenge community because I'm a person who spends a lot of time watching these Resident Evil challenge videos. Like there was this channel I discovered over Christmas. It's called Zero on YouTube. And he does Resident Evil 4 challenge runs where he can essentially like, I think one of them was he played the whole of the original Resident Evil 4 with just the striker. So no picking up ammo, no picking up other weapons, just the striker. Now to do this, obviously that person had to mod their game in order to start off with the striker. And then there was a couple of aspects where the run would have failed. So he kind of like used mods to essentially pass certain skips, which would have like killed the run. 
But yeah, creators like Dante Ravioli, who does these wild challenge runs, is this going to affect his content going forward because of this silly rule by Capcom where you can essentially not use mods anymore? I don't know. It's just one of these things that sucks. And I do wonder if it affects the Resident Evil 2 and 3 VR mods that are on PC at the minute. This is something I want to try. Uh, my PC isn't good enough to run this, so I'm very tempted to buy a new PC at some point. Anyway, yeah, so you can play Resident Evil 2 Remake in VR with these mods, and I do wonder if this whole new DRM thing is going to affect that, which would suck. It's just all these creators and modders who are keeping the, the community alive It's kind of just a slap in the face to them and it sucks and I hope that Capcom reverses this decision and I hope that we can experience our mods and just be happy. Like, in single player games, it shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't matter. Like, we're not cheating online, so what difference does it make, Capcom? Come on, come on. Just throw us a bone here and just reverse this whole thing because it sucks. And yeah, the other PS Plus game that I wanted to discuss is Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. This is one that I've been wanting to play but it was very much waiting for it to come onto Game Pass. I don't know if I'm going to rebuy PS Plus to play this one, because again, I'd probably want to play it in co-op like I did with the other Borderlands games. So yeah, I currently don't have PS Plus, and I'm not sure if it's worth it at this point, but it could potentially come to Game Pass. I think I'm going to wait another, say, six months, and if it hasn't, maybe I'll pull the trigger then. Like, who knows, the game might be cheap enough to just outright purchase at that point. But I don't know, it's like, it's good that this one's coming on there. I'm like a big fan of the Borderlands franchise, so yeah, definitely want to try this one out. And on the topic of PS5, they've just announced some new faceplates for the PS5 Slim. And oh my god, this shiny metallic blue is making me want to go out and buy a PS5 Slim. And I know I shouldn't do that, I'm probably not going to, but like, seeing these faceplates, oh, they're so, so nice. Like, it makes the console look classy and just visually so nice and I think this is part of the the reason why I don't like the design of the PlayStation 5 is because it's white but yeah even the silver and the red like the silver looks incredible and it kind of reminds us of the concept PS3 controller that was like a thing back in like 2004 or something it's where the controller's all like a boomerang and it's silver and now you can get a silver controller and silver faceplates for the PS5 Slim And it's a little bit of a shame that they didn't release these for the regular PS5, but I can see why they want people to purchase a Slim instead of the PS5. But yeah, oh my god, these look tasty, and I kind of want one so I can get that blue, but it wouldn't really go with the decor of my man cave, so I'm kind of torn on that, but also don't want to be spending another £500 on a PlayStation. (sighs) These are the the first world struggles, the first world problems that I face. Now, as to what I have been playing recently, this is a big segment on the podcast, which I usually do, and it's VR, baby. Like, I'm very much banging to my VR at the minute. I have a MetaQuest 2 headset, um, and initially, I played through Resident Evil 4 VR. It would have been a good couple of years ago now at this point, and I kind of fell off it at the minecart segment because I was fine up until that point, and then... I don't know if it was the motion of moving without me actually moving my like thumbstick and moving the character, not being able to control the movement of the character that made me get insanely, insanely motion sick. But yeah, this essentially ruined VR for me because even the segments after that where I was back to controlling Leon, I'd just put the headset on for like 10 minutes and I'd get really, really motion sick. So 
I kind of dropped off that. I never actually fully finished the game, which sucks. I never got to experience the mercenaries fully and get all the unlocks and play on professional, which is something I wanted to do. But yeah, like I just completely lost my like head in VR. So I kind of put that to the side. Recently got back into it, got Resident Evil 4, got like Pistol Whip, got Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. And I've been trying to like build my VR tolerance back up a little bit. So I played a little bit of Resident Evil 4 again, like got through it and I was absolutely fine no issues. Pistol Whip is kind of like I'm teetering on the edge of playing that, a couple songs on that and then the motion sickness kind of kicks in. I get a little bit of a sore head. So I'm trying to work up to playing that a little bit more. But oh man, that game, Pistol Whip, if you haven't heard of it or you haven't played it, you need to look this one up because it's so good. Basically, you're it's an on-rail shooter. You can choose to have two guns, obviously the two quest controllers, and you essentially move forward and the enemies come at you and you need to basically shoot them on the beat and oh it's so so fun you've got to dodge the bullets and dodge obstacles but there's a lot going on here and you're obviously moving around a lot and just yeah I think that that that's part of the reason I'm getting so motion sick is because I'm just like ducking on the floor and moving left and right and moving so fast and my like my head can't keep up with what's happening but yeah this game's awesome and I definitely recommend it to somebody who has a VR headset but hasn't played it and yeah, I've played Walking Dead Saints and Sinners a little bit. I have some gripes with it. Like when you essentially drop your weapon out of your hand, you'll drop it on the floor instead of back into your holster. You need to like physically holster the weapon, which I think is something that Resident Evil 4 does so well. You can essentially chuck your gun up in the air. If you fail to catch it, it'll just slide right back into your holster. And it's just little like changes like that from Walking Dead I think would make it a much better game it's a little bit janky with having to pull your backpack out and change the things when you're trying to like put things in your backpack but yeah as when it comes to killing zombies like you can physically use your left hand to grab the zombie grab a screwdriver and just stab it in there stab it in there and you can feel resistance the vibration on the controller oh it's it's midi it's crunchy it feels good to do and it's a little bit scary at points too because you've got this little crappy torch which hardly does anything so if you're playing at night like in the game you can't see anything you've got zombies surrounding you and stuff like that oh it's chef's kiss it's great and i think that's one thing that vr does very very well is horror in atmosphere and speaking of that, I bought this game called Propagation Paradise Hotel, I believe. And this is meant to be one of the scariest games in VR. I've not played it yet. I'm still working up to that. But apparently it's really good. It costs us like £12, I think. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to giving that one a go. So yeah, I've also done something with my quest. I basically loaded SideQuest onto it. And it gives you access to this whole new VR store which has games like Pokemon VR, which is kind of like this pixel-style Gen 1 remake of Pokemon, which is awesome. I've only played a tiny bit of it, but just having like that option to play this sort of Pokemon game in VR is incredible. I downloaded this Doom-esque game, like I think it's called Doom Launcher or something, which is the original Doom engine, but creators have uploaded their own creations onto it. So I got this like Aliens mod pack for that. And I was having a go with this last night, like it's Doom, but you're like a Colonial's Marine who has a, like a plasma rifle and is essentially landed on, I don't know if it's LV-426, but we'll see it is. You're, you're on the planet, the Xenomorphs, is facehuggers. Now, I couldn't figure out how to get out of the starting area. I don't know if I'm just a moron. Well, I probably am. But I spent like 20 minutes in this area. I was killing a, a couple of facehuggers, killed a few Xenomorphs. It's awesome. It's just having this option to do that is cool. One thing with that, though, you've got to use your 
right thumbstick up and down to change weapons and sometimes I like to use the right thumbstick to look left and right to again avoid the motion sickness and I, I kept switching weapons by mistake so it would be nice if you could change that but yeah with side quests you can do a whole lot of things which like you can't do on the like base version of the quest so I put an RPD theme on the home screen so when I load up to the quest I'm just in the RPD like station I couldn't get the music to work. I don't know what I was doing wrong with that, but we'll see. I'll have another play around with it. But yeah, I've downloaded a couple of things on SideQuest, which I'm going to play. Like, I'm getting bang into my VR at the minute, and it's great. I just need to build my tolerance up a little bit. And actually, when I was speaking about exclusives before, I think I'm going to tie it into this because obviously you have the, the Meta Quest, but you also have the PlayStation VR 2. And this is another thing that Sony have done with Capcom which kind of pisses us off because you've got, you had the whole Resident Evil Biohazard, Resident Evil 7 on PS4. You could only play the VR mode on PSVR 1. They had locked that mode to that headset and they've kind of done the same thing with Resident Evil 4 Remake and Resident Evil Village. And that kind of sucks because I'd, I'd love to be able to play these games in VR, but I can't because, again, Sony have paid money to have this and... I'm not one who's going to go out and blow £500 on this PSVR 2 headset. I just cannot justify it. Like, as much as I love Resident Evil 4 and Village, I just, I can't. And I can understand with Horizon, because obviously that's a first-party Sony game, why would they port that to different consoles? But having the option would be nice. Now, again, this is another thing. You can possibly play it connected to the PC with mods, but are the mods going to work now? I don't know, because Capcom have done this whole DRM thing. I've heard that the PS5 version of Resident Evil 4 Remake VR isn't as good as Village, because there's some things like physically pressing buttons isn't a thing. You have to like press A on the controller instead of actually like you doing it with your hands. And it also does things like the original Resident Evil 4 on Quest, where if you are to kick an enemy, the camera pulls out and you see it in third person, then it like zooms back into your head and it's a little bit jarring. And again, the cutscenes are all in third person where you're just watching them, which I think is a little bit lazy, but it is what it is. I'd love to play it, but I, I just don't, I can't justify it. I can't justify spending all that money for these couple of games. And I know I could get it, play it, and then sell it on, sell the headset on, but... Uh, at this point, I'm just going to wait and see. Hopefully some mods do come out, or if they're not already out, they get optimised a little bit better. But we will see. So yeah, very much into the VR at the minute, and that's mainly what I've been playing. Um, I've been playing Band Hero a little bit. I also purchased a Rock Band 4 guitar for Xbox One because I'm very impatient and PDP still haven't announced anything in terms of their new guitar for Fortnite Festival slash Rock Band. If it will even work on Rock Band 4, I don't know. But I managed to pick Rock Band 4 Rivals up for £6 from CEX. And I did this with the intention of using the PDP guitar because apparently it's coming out in January. Um, I don't believe that because we've not heard anything. But there's still three weeks left, so maybe I could be proven wrong there. But I was just browsing eBay, as you do, and I saw this guitar for £110, and I ended up buying it because I lack self-control, and I'm very much a impulse buyer, impulse spender, as many of you already know. So yeah, I bought that. It's been a week, and I got this message off the seller yesterday, and they essentially sent me the wrong parcel, the wrong guitar. So my guitar, my Rock Band 4 guitar, got delivered to somebody else, and what I got sent was a Guitar Hero Live for Xbox One, Guitar and Game. So that was a bit of a bummer. Uh, I had to package that all back up and 
saying that off this morning, I did that and I've been in contact with the other person and they've also said that they're going to send my rock band guitar out. But as of right now, I have not heard of them. So I really hope they're not keeping it because I've sent their guitar and maybe I should just return it to the sender. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully that all comes off without a hitch because I want to play Rock Band 4. Now, I know I've got Rock Band 1, 2, 3, Lego Rock Band, all the Guitar Hero games on the 360, and I have the controllers for the 360 version, like, sitting there, but I want to play it on Xbox One. And there's a few songs on the Xbox One version that I've already, like, bought. It's, like, £1.50 for a song. So, yeah, I want to play Rock Band 4 because I've never actually played that. I have actually played Guitar Hero Live, and I don't think it's terrible, but it's not great. I don't know why they didn't just stick to what was working. Like Activision, you completely fucked that up. But you never know, Microsoft could bring Guitar Hero back. With the the announcement of Fortnite Festival, fingers crossed that like kicks Microsoft into gear and Activision can then make the next Guitar Hero. Just go back to basics, make a guitar only. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. Anyway, besides that whole band hero thing, uh, I've not really played a lot of Fortnite this week, but I've also been continuing my Pokédex quest. If you listened to a previous episode, you know that I am initially trying to get all of the Pokémon registered in my Pokémon Home decks. I I want like a living decks of Pokémon, but all those Pokémon have to originate from their original region. So, for example, you have... Mudkip would need to be from Generation 3, like from a Generation 3 game. So if you want to click on the Mudkip in my Pokemon home, it'll say met in the Hoenn region. That's an example. So I have a lot already in there from my previous playthroughs of the franchise. But essentially Pokemon Bank, which is the Nintendo DS version of like Pokemon Home, you get to store your Pokemon in there. You need that to transfer Pokemon from DS to Switch. And that is apparently getting shut down i've heard the date is april so it doesn't really give me a lot of time to complete this quest but hearing of that whole service potentially getting discontinued has like kicked my arse into gear i know that the whole nintendo ds server thing is going to be shut down so then you won't like be able to wonder trade and all that good stuff on the ds pokemon games so i do actually have two nintendo 3ds consoles well one's a 2ds one's a 3ds xl But yeah, I've got the ability to trade between games on that. And I do have all of the generations of Pokemon games going up from like Heart Gold to Pokemon Sun and Moon. Like I've got all them. It's just a very daunting task. This is like, I need to fully go through my living decks in Pokemon Home and like map out which Pokemon I still need from each generation, which is going to take a hell of a lot of time because the Pokemon Home UI is a little bit janky and I wish you could do it on PC, but eh, it is what it is. So yeah, I've just been playing through Pokemon Omega Ruby currently. I didn't complete Black 2. That's just kind of there on the back burner on my original Nintendo DS Lite. It's just sat in there at the minute. But yeah, I want to I play through Ruby because that is like one of my favorite games. Like Gen 3 is my favorite generation. Emerald's my favorite game. And Pokemon Omega Ruby, I just thought, oh, I want a little bit of a change from the 2D. So yeah, just... Powering through that at the minute, hopefully going to be able to complete this Pokemon quest, but I don't know, we will see. Now, I did want to talk about the whole Pokemon franchise as a whole, but I think I'm going to leave that for the next solo episode because I've been rambling for ages now, it seems. So yeah, I'm just going to essentially end it off at that. I do want to say like apologies for last week's episode, the audio mess up, like, oh my God, I, I could have cried after me and Douse had recorded that episode and then I dropped him back off at home. 
And I got back to listen to it and my mic hadn't recorded. It had recorded it through this stupid onboard mic on the laptop and it sounded awful. But I, I hope it was audible at least. I tried to do my best to like balance all that stuff and make it listenable. But if you turned it off, I can, <laughs> I know why. Hopefully that won't happen again. Uh, I've learned from my mistakes there. It's just one of those things, isn't it? But because of that, there was a section of the show that I wanted to like try out with guests. And I do have that Douse voiceover like still there, but I think we're going to just redo that in future. And again, if I manage to get ads on next week, I'll try it again with him. Hopefully don't mess the audio up this time. Uh, fingers crossed. But yeah, I think I think that's going to be it from me today. So as always, thank you very much for listening. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Dan J. Durkin. And if you want to follow the show, it's at P underscore A underscore P underscore podcast. Uh, that's on X, that is. Um, ah, I wish I had got PAP podcast, but it is what it is. And yeah, I'm toying with the idea of uploading clips to YouTube, which I might essentially go through with this week. But if I do, I will be sure to update you on the, the Twitters and all that good stuff. So yeah, thanks for listening. And as always, I have been Dan and I will catch you in the next one.